0: The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Quest Production Network, and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 201. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed.
1: It's when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a time lord.
0: I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Bravehearty.
1: Change,
2: my dear. And it
0: seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding. Physician. Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Hello, Z. Help! Scottish.
2: I can complain about things. She'll be fine.
0: Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the second Doctor story called The Faceless Ones. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, uh, thank you. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Hello, hello. And folks, if you are not yet subscribed, please subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere. And even in your favorite podcast app, or you can even listen to us on the SQPN YouTube channel where you should hit the bell to get notifications. So we are talking about the faceless ones, a second doctor story. And you may be wondering, hmm, you guys usually go in a particular order through all the doctors and you just did a second doctor story not that long ago. Why are you doing the faceless ones now? Well, not just did we do a second Doctor story. We did the second Doctor story that follows this one <laughs> out of border. a couple of weeks That's ago. Right. That's right. That's because the faceless ones was another one of those lost stories from the early days of Doctor Who that had the, the original video or films or you know the, the, the reels had been lost or most of it. And I think only episodes one and three were in the BBC mm-hmm. archives. And it's been remade into an animation, so they've they've used the various uh, audio tracks and the telesnaps, and we've talked about this before to to make an animation out of it. And that was released in the UK in March of 2020, and it's just been released in the US. So we said, "Well, you know, instead of waiting to come mm-hmm. back to this and, and do it again, we let's do it now." And so. You have the opportunity, if you have not yet watched the Faceless Ones, that you can get it off of uh, you know, Amazon or wherever you get your uh, Blu-rays or DVDs from, and you can watch that now. So we're going to be talking about the Faceless Ones and the animated version that's available.
1: Now, The this is one that I had seen before because I watched the surviving two episodes and then fan reconstructions of the others. So this was my second experience of the story. In the new animation, it is available on the DVD and Blu-ray, both in color and in black and white. But I watched the black and white, so I didn't see the color. But I was actually quite impressed with the black and white. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The animation was really good. They have been improving the animation, I think, over the number of these that they've done. And I I thought the animation was
2: really impressive at points. I think so. I I agree. It it, it looked really good cuz that was one of my complaints when Power of the Daleks came out which was the first do- second doctor episode of course but also the first second doctor episode that they animated when they really started this push to bring these out in animation form and i thought the animation was kind of clunky this one does not ha- suffer from that at all i mean i thought it was right r- much much better uh, it looked really good it was it was there was almost points where it's like is this really animated you know there's a couple yeah. of the scenes like the plane's taking off and it's like was that animated or was that you know something live action
0: and I like the reimagining. Like, obviously, they, you know, they didn't use exactly what they did in the originals with, say, the makeup or the aliens or various equipment or things like that. And they reimagined it. Basically, what could we do now, you know, if we mm-hmm. were to imagine this? Uh, so I like that aspect of it, too. So that that it really, like like we did with the macro Terror, where the, the, the macras were much scarier, you yeah. know, much more uh, interesting than the... Paper mache things that they had in well, the 60s for the original
2: i'll be interesting to uh hear from jimmy what the difference is like with the uh space station when they're going up into their satellite you know where the plane mm. flies up and flies in i would be interested yeah. to hear kind of what the difference is there because obviously back at the time they did in the 60s the original it would have been very much you know clunky and you know uh, models and of course this is animated so they can make that plane do whatever they want
1: My memory of that is I think they did have the wings folding effect, where the plane's Mm -hmm. wings fold back so it looks like more of a rocket, Mm -hmm. but in terms of it landing in the space station, I don't think, I don't recall that. I, either it wasn't captured on the telesnaps or they may have kind of glossed over that precisely because of how difficult it would be doing Mm -hmm. a, a plane landing
2: in a space station hangar at the time. Just had the model on a string and basically just slid the string up until it went into the portal, and that was the end of it. Basically, yeah, kind that of thing. could
0: probably be, yeah,
2: something as simple as that. You know, yeah. Right. Right.
1: Now we've we've mentioned that you know this involves airplanes, and that's because it's set at an airport at Gatwick. Yep. Yes. And so, what I really want to know is, what does Captain Jeff think about all the airport and airplane realism or non-realism <laughs> in this? Yeah. We need that's vital <laughs> perspective. We need.
0: <laughs> yeah, Captain Jeff of the Airplane Pilot Guy podcast, who's a a friend of the uh, SQPN network and yeah, uh, and of the podcast. I yeah, I'd love to hear his take, like to get a take from somebody who is uh you know in, in aviation today and looking back at you know the way things were. Frankly, uh, Sean McCarty, also a friend of uh, the mm-hmm. network, who is an air traffic controller in the UK. I'd love ah. to get his take on on this episode too. That would be really yeah, cool. Would-
2: It would be interesting to hear, you know, first of all, was, was this how air traffic control was back then versus now, or I was impressed at one point they showed the map of the, of the airport and it appeared to be the actual aviation chart of the airport, you know, in the, the, the animation. So, I mean, there are things like little details like that, that I think they could do with the animation that maybe they didn't originally.
0: Probably.
1: Speaking of uh, little details in the animation. If you watch carefully, there are some wanted posters that are in the background that are very interesting. Early on, as we go past the wanted posters, one of them is for Roger Delgado's master, yes, and another, and another is for Sasha Dewan's master.
0: That's what I thought. (laughs) I wasn't sure.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. But but then, so apparently there's two masters running around in 1966, <laughs> but then if you, uh, later, uh, it, like in episode six or something, when we go past the wanted posters again, the one for Roger Delgado's master is still there, but Sasha Dewan's master has, has been replaced by somebody else, so apparently yeah. he's got caught.
2: It's the meddling monk. <laughs> oh, maybe. I went in I, pictures, it looked like the meddling monk. Oh. There
0: were a lot of little Easter eggs.
2: Yeah. Well, and then next next to the bottom watering water poster was an advertisement for Waterfield Antiques.
0: Oh, which is uh-huh. from the Evil of the Daleks. Well, and there was, it,
1: yeah. There was also a sign advertising Magpie Electricals.
0: I was yep. going to mention that. Yeah, yeah, that's another one. I, I'm, there's undoubtedly other ones I missed, but yeah, I love the fact that they they put in these little Easter eggs, these little you know things for the fans to catch. I I, I really enjoy yeah. that.
2: And, and oh. watch, too, uh, in the airport when they're showing inside the terminal all the different airline names, because some of them are like... there was a United. Kind of a classic American Airlines yeah. and United and Southwest, like the, the original Southwest logo, which is kind of an, anach- anachronistic because Southwest didn't yeah. exist at that point. But right. still, it's just lots of different... And it never, has never flown over to England either. Yeah. But uh, there's lots of little details kind of along throughout. Yeah. It's pretty impressive what they've done.
0: So the story itself uh we should mention that one of the things that makes it significant is, is the last story featuring Ben and Polly who are holdovers from the first doctor's time. They were the first doctor's last companions and this is their last adventure with the doctor. And in fact, they, they they there's a large section of this uh of this story where they're not really doing they're not in it at all. They're catatonic in a cabinet somewhere. <laughs> uh, in, uh, the or, they were in the like car.
2: first and first and second episodes and then the sixth episode
0: yeah so they, i think it was this the, the transition for them because this is their time 1966 this is mm-hmm. where the doctor picked them up and we'll talk about that as we get to the end of it but uh but this is really a jamie and the doctor story and it starts with the tardis landing on a runway at gatwick in 1966 yeah uh, Jamie, of course, who as a uh, 18th century Scotsman is uh, scared of the giant flying beastie, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they're chased by a, a policeman because they've had to wave off planes for this police box and uh, on the on the runway. And the the TARDIS get, ends up getting hauled away by a flatbed truck with the name Leatherman on it, which is also mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we saw in the Evil of the Daleks. So it that the Evil of the Daleks st- uh, starts with. The TARDIS being hauled away on a flatbed truck in, uh, at Gatwick and being chased by uh, Jamie and the Doctor. So th- the, these two stories flow one right into the other. The crew of the TARDIS, the, the Doctor and companions, kind of gets split up right at the beginning. Ben's over in one place. The Doctor and Jamie are hiding somewhere else. Polly is hiding. It's because they're running from the police who are trying right. to catch yeah. them. So right. they split up. And Polly ends up in a building labeled Chameleon Tours, mm, a little foreshadowing there in the name mm. Chameleon Tours. I love when, when the bad <laughs> guys like, use this really obvious name to describe themselves, like, hey, we're the bad guys. We're using a clever name for it. This is what we're doing. Uh, yep. But she sees two men quarreling over an envelope, and one shoots the other with some, a, a ray gun, uh, a, obviously not a regular gun of, it, of the time.
1: And apparently, it's basically a mega taser because the doctor right. later tells us the man has been electrocuted.
0: Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. the The man who does the shooting, he has a in this the Chameleon Tours building has a hidden room. Uh, he calls someone about some postcards that were discovered, and then he chases Polly out of the hangar. So he sees that she's been there. She finds the doctor, tells him what she saw, and uh, he 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 wants to go see where it happened. I guess meanwhile the uh the 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 guy who was shot turns out to have been a detective inspector so a policeman uh and they say something about they think parents might have sent him so that's interesting. The doctor and Polly discuss how the man was killed like you said it turns out he was electrocuted the chameleon guy in charge his name is blade, so I'll call him blade from now on captain blade captain yes right they the they're, they're, they're these two guys are pilots. So Captain Blade mm-hmm. and the other guy who did the shooting, his name is Spencer. They talk about how the doctor knows more than he should about the ray gun and other things. So they, they get a sense that he's not just another Earth human. They think that Polly should be killed because she can identify Spencer. Uh, the doctor is really intent on reporting the murder to airport authorities. Like, it's really important to him that they get someone in authority to investigate. Never mind
2: he never mind they're on the airport illegally anyways and more likely to get arrested
0: if they go, but he still wants
2: to make sure he gets it done.
0: Right. And and that and the obvious fact that somebody is using alien tech to do this murdering uh which seems interesting that like in in the our current day that uh, the you know the 12th, 11th, 13th doctor the, uh, they wouldn't bother going to get the police to report a murder this would be even, they would handle it e,
1: even the fourth doctor in pyramids of mars was like oh this is beyond the police
0: right yeah. right
1: but here the doctor is young he's only you know 450 years old <laughs> at this time so he's still trying to work within the system
0: that's right he still get that idealism of youth in him so at 450 <laughs> so as they go Polly, for some reason, is walking behind the Doctor and Jamie, and Spencer manages to uh, ambush her and knock her out without the Doctor and Jamie noticing. Uh, Good job (laughs) there, guys. Uh, Keeping watch over poor Polly.
1: You got to stay up with the group, you know?
0: (laughs) Exactly. Don't get left behind. Polly gets interrogated by Captain Blade. I I have to say, and this may be an effect of the animation uh, or limitation. She seemed unusually calm for having been knocked out, abducted, and interrogated by murderers. Uh, she, well, she doesn't seem to realize no. how so much danger she's in. When,
2: when you're traveling with the doctor this long, I mean, it, it's it's just this. Oh, it's another it's another Monday. We're you know, we're getting <laughs> interrogated again. I've been hijacked yes. again.
1: <laughs> and, and there's a reason that Ben calls her Duchess. I mean, she has that upper crusty unflappability.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. I'm, I'm gonna. It'll be interesting. For a lot of these these companions, I have not seen where they enter into the doctor's orbit, so I'd, I'm kind of curious to see the, like how Ben and Polly show up the, those those stories. But uh, when the doctor in, I also noticed that when the doctor and Jamie like notice she's gone and they come back to find her, they give up looking for her pretty quickly. Right? I I've, I've, I found It was very interesting. Uh, oh, she's not here. Oh well, <laughs> we better get yeah. to the to the authorities. Uh, they get stopped at passport control where. <laughs> Another one of these unflappable bureaucrats, he's like, uh, he's uninterested in their report of a dead body because they don't have passports. That's the only thing that matters. <laughs> uh, unless you produce a passport, I'm not listening to you about the murder or a dead body. Uh, and so, of course, they don't have passports, so they get detained. They, they're apparently on the other side of the of the international, you know, the the international line there where you have to have passports.
1: This, this sets up an interesting dynamic that varies a little bit from what we often see in Doctor Who, where he shows up, and there'll be something like he doesn't fit in like he doesn't have a passport, and yep. he, will, he will be at odds with the local officials, and yes. usually there'll be one holdout who's just like always opposed to the Doctor no matter what, and who often is in league with the villains, but sometimes is just an idiot. Yeah. And and here we seem to be starting out with that dynamic where the doctor is running afoul of local officials because of who he is. But by episode 6, all the all the humans are on the doctor's side. Yeah. Yes. Even even the commandant of the airport who initially is the one that's least inclined to to give him the time of day even the commandant is like solidly on board and functioning as an actual active ally Mm. doing stuff to help the doctor.
0: Right. In a a more modern script, they would have someone who's continuing to undermine the doctor out of ignorance and stupidity or something, you know what I mean, mean, or just obstreperousness.
2: You know, know, how many science-based episodes have we had where you've got that scientist who's just he goes off the deep end because he's so caught up in his particular theory or project or <laughs> right. study or whatever, and so he's the whole episode. He's actually a foil to the Doctor trying to solve the problem because he's so caught up in his his world. arrogance. Yeah, arrogance. yeah That's yeah. true. Uh,
0: I, I like that Jamie keeps sort of blurting out the truth, like about ray guns and the TARDIS, and you know, uh, you know, yeah. think people disappearing. And the Doctor at one point like stomps on his foot, like shush. <laughs> don't, don't talk about the TARDIS, <laughs> which I I thought was pretty funny. Meanwhile, we we see uh, Captain Blade back at Chameleon Tours filling up postcards from Paris, maybe uh, like pre-filling them out from people, and st- you know they're pre-stamped, which is uh seems interesting. And then he uh, has we, we're we're shown this bandaged person in a cabinet or closet in their office that he injects, um.
1: The, it's our first faceless one. Yes, is mm-hmm.
0: one of the aliens. The doctor manages to get the commandant of the airport to go to the chameleon tourist office because I mean, if someone reports a dead body, you gotta at least go look, or otherwise, you know, if they're if you if you're skeptical skeptical, don't go. And it turns out there was one. You're in big trouble. So they You'll do have go. even
1: more forms to fill out. <laughs> exactly. exactly.
0: Captain Blade comes out, shows them there's no dead body. Of course, like after all this time, why would there be? Uh, and after the commandant and a policeman haul off Jamie and the doctor, they're detained now, they're going to be arrested. Blade and Spencer escort this bandaged figure that's wrapped wrapped up in, it looks sort of like mu- like a mummy, you know, but it also mm-hmm. has uh, pilot's gear on, like a hat and a coat, sort of as a disguise. I can't imagine it would be a great one. <laughs> uh, and they say something, something along. Yeah. Kind of
2: think of the stereotypical invisible man type setup where he's got the yeah. coat and the bandages and everything and but you can't see any details yeah and it would be better to hustle
1: a cap an apparent airplane captain with face bandages into an airport than hustling a mummy into an airport well
0: that's right that's right <laughs> so it's at least a little better they'd say something along the lines of we need to get him there quickly because he's reaching suffocation point then uh and they eventually bring him to the the airport medical center Meanwhile, back at passport control, Polly shows up carrying a passport and claims not to know the doctor and Jamie and says her name isn't Polly, but that she's she's uh, Michelle from Zurich from Zurich. Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm like, she has an impeccable British accent and speaks English perfectly for someone who's ne- she's claims never been to England. And then she then they actually they, do.
1: They call her on that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, how how come how, how come you speak English so great? Oh, I had an English nanny.
0: Yes, well, mm-hmm. that explains everything. It must be why you have perfect English. <laughs> but but at least at least they noticed the part, that would be a problem and, and wrote a little bit Latin dialogue to, to cover it, uh, even if it's not very believable.
1: Yeah, her. It's her, her, interesting. Her nanny must have been from the upper class. You don't find a lot yes. of upper class British women working as nannies.
0: Yes, that's true. That's true. It's <laughs> it's uh, Mary Poppins. So so he uh, so back in the medical center, the faceless one. Is put on a bed next to another guy. He's and he looks disfigured. His face is all like like the animation, this is really kind of creepy. And on another bed is another guy who we had seen before in air traffic control. Yep. And a nurse comes in, they strap devices on them. The the guy from air traffic control, his name is Meadows. Yeah. And after turning on these devices, Meadows' face appears on the alien and he has all of Meadows' memories and, and everything. Right. So, uh, so they're, uh, they're, they're body snatchers.
2: It, it's kind of interesting that the, these controller units that they put on each one of their yeah. left arms, both left arm of the original and the uh, drone or the copy, they look exactly like Wiimotes. I Exactly noticed that. like Nintendo Wiimotes. <laughs>
0: hmm. It's very interesting.
2: <laughs> about, about the same size, too, give or take, you
1: know. Yeah. What struck me is how similar this is to the Zygons. Because mm, yeah. the Zygons will take will take your appearance and have your memories, and they need to keep you around yep, in suspended right. animation. They can't just kill you. And if you mess with the original person, it interferes with the Zygon that's copying you. And as we're going to see, that's exactly
2: what happens with the chameleons, as they Although come to be called. It's a little, a little more permanent for the chameleons, but it's the same basic idea that if the original dies or is woken up out of or at least to have that controller pulled off it causes problems.
1: Yeah. In in this case they actually do a wicked witch of the west. If you wait yep. if you free the original human they just melt into a puddle.
0: Right. Yep. Although at one point they do they there's a little bit of dialogue about how after after a while the change becomes permanent and they don't need yeah. the original. Like they've sucked all the life out of the original. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um there there is a nice little line here um uh, where the doctor and Jamie uh, need to escape, they uh, from you know being uh, arrested, and the doctor says, "Jamie, when I say run, we run." And it's just like, which is a great line because the, uh, uh, yep. in fact, I think I haven't listened a lot. Did I? Did I include that in our opening? I have to now I have to go back and listen. It is
1: there is a version of that in our opening, not okay. this exact one, but yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, because the, uh, the second doctor says that a lot.
0: Yes, that's <laughs> yeah. what I was
2: going to say. Got
0: Yes.
1: Uh, I, I I like how there are some nice sight gags. One of which, and I I wonder about were these in the originals? Because like after Jamie and the Doctor are on yep. the run, they're trying to blend in, and so they're like reading newspapers, which is a classic mm-hmm. trope. You know, you read a newspaper so people can't see your face, and Jamie is holding his upside down, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? And yeah. and they don't make anything out of that. You just notice it. There's also a great bit because Ben is soon reunited with them and catches up, catches them up on what's been happening with him, and he takes them to his hiding place yes. where he's been hiding, and it's a photo booth, yep. you know, the kind of automated photo booth where you get yep. in, you put in a coin, and you get four pictures of yourself. And so all three of them are crammed into the photo booth, and at one point a woman comes up and opens <laughs> the curtain so she can use the photo booth, And all three, Jamie, Ben, and the doctor put on these ridiculous, silly grins as if they're waiting to have their picture taken. (laughs) Yeah. And then the woman moves off and they resume normal conversation.
0: (laughs) Although, I have to say, how does Jamie know what to do? But okay, I'll I'll give him
1: that. (laughs) It's worth it for the laugh. Oh, yeah. But if
0: if you're a younger uh, viewer or listener... Uh, you might not even know what a photo booth is. I'm not sure they have those anymore, but uh, yeah,
2: well, they, they you you can find them and sometimes you'll find them at like parties and stuff like that where you can get kits where basically it uses a digital camera and a digital printer.
0: Oh, but it does okay. the same mm-hmm.
2: effect and it can do the different you know like the different effects of the film and everything with them oh, so you funny. you can't can actually see them they're, they're still available today but not like the the classic photo booth that you go to the mall and you plunk a quarter in and you get and you get four a pictures. strip of
0: photos yeah i
2: I've,
1: I've seen them and in the mall within the last 20 years oh yeah okay. exactly
0: <laughs> so the they they eventually at this point is when they figure out that chameleon tours is advertising budget trips for young people 18 to 25 and that the peep that the young people are getting on these planes, going to their destinations, sending a postcard home, and disappearing, uh, never right. being heard from again. And this, so there's something going on. And Chameleon isn't just based in the UK. There's flights coming from all over. I think basically Europe. I think is the, yeah. is what it is. A Place like um,
2: Zurich and Rome and Spain. Dubrovnik. Dubrovnik. Yeah, and it's mentioned. funny because there's the scene where. Jamie finds out how much it is is like a whole twenty seven pounds. He's like, I've yeah. never seen that much money in my life. It's a fortune, <laughs> and it
1: yeah. would have been to 20, 28. and it would have been a fortune back in the seventeen hundreds.
0: Yes, yeah. it would have been. So the duplicate Polly, because that's what she is, is working for ch- Chameleon Tours at their kiosk. And uh, let's see how the doctor get, confronts her. She get, he gets her to slip up and admit she knew someone had been shot and murdered, even though he hadn't said mm-hmm. it. So he's he knows something's up. Then the they, they decide, another def- detective inspector shows up looking for the first one. Says he's investigating chameleon, so he's going to be important. So they the the doctor and others split up. Ben's going to go to the chameleon hangar. The doctor's going to try to convince the authorities it's been a murder, and Jamie's going to stay and keep an eye on Polly. So that's now the new inspector's name is Crossland, and yes. he
1: is he's played by a, I forget his name, but he's a, I think he's a fairly well known British actor at the day. But he is an interesting character because he's the first person that really takes the doctor seriously. Yeah, he comes. He comes across as very likable. The actor is attempting to pull off a Scottish accent,
0: <laughs> and it doesn't quite work. Pretty mild. Uh, pretty so,
1: mild. so that's that's interesting to see. You know, normally we complain about how when American accents don't work for British actors on this show, but here, right. It's a Scottish accent that's not quite there.
2: See, I I didn't even notice that it was trying to be a Scottish accent. I did not. Cause of, course, of course, you get Fraser Hines there who's chewing up the scenery with his big
1: yeah. Scottish <laughs> accent. Yeah. So Yeah. But I've you know read, I, in the Doctor Who books I read, I've read other accounts of this episode, and it's been pointed out that part of what the actors is doing here in playing Crossland is he's trying to come across as very likable and human And and he's got this different speech pattern, and it's setting us up for very late in the game. He's going to be replaced by a faceless one, Mm. and all of that, all of these mannerisms he's building up now, drop away. Yeah. So he's not friendly and helpful anymore. He's not speaking with a Scottish accent anymore. He's using received pronunciation. And he's not like waving his pipe around and things like that. He's he's just all of those humanizing elements go away mm. when the alien is replacing him. Right.
0: So the actor is uh, uh, Bernard Kay, who was also in Colony in Space as mm. uh, Caldwell. Yeah, so I, I believe he's in a third one too. He's actually he's in several. He's in the Dalek Invasion mm. of Earth as Carl Tyler, which I, another mm. one we saw recently. Uh, he's in the Crusade as Saladin. And and then these other two. So he's, he's done a few things. i mm-hmm. uh, trying to see if we, uh, what he looked like in, oh, he looked very differently in Dalek Invasion of Earth. That's why I didn't recognize yeah. him there. Uh, okay. So uh, he didn't have the, the mustache. Hmm. Uh, so then we have, at this point, the introduction of Samantha. She shows up at the chameleon uh, kiosk which, looking for her broth- missing brother.
2: Which, which, by the way, speaking of, of actors and actresses, this is one that we, we've seen before, but much later in time. Her name is Pauline Collins, is the actress. Mm-hmm. She played Queen Victoria in Tooth and Claw. Oh,
0: mm-hmm. wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
2: so she's, an, she's another connection between classic who and new who. Yeah. Here, though, she's not using
1: a, an upper crust accent. She's using a Liverpudlian yeah. accent. Yes, yes. And so it's interesting to have her contrasting with Jamie. And her character is very interesting in this serial. She is very determined to find out what happened to her brother. She has the unstoppability Mm -hmm. that you need in a good companion. Right. And I wonder, because we have been in poly exiting, I wonder if they were thinking about introducing Sam or Samantha as the new companion alongside Jamie. Apparently they were. It feels like that.
2: We, we've seen that before. You know, we talked about a Seventh Doctor episode, the one where they're at the the seashore, where there is a woman that we thought might be a, Ray, yeah, trying out for yeah. a companion, and then eventually chose Ace instead, right? Yeah, so it, it's we've seen them do this before, where they yeah. they'll they'll bring them on for a, a a serial, and I suppose somewhere in the middle of the serial, they decide whether or not to bring them on or not.
1: In fact, that's what happened to Jamie. Yeah, uh, yeah. they In The Highlanders, Jamie was just a character who was there for that adventure. And then at the end of the serial, the producer comes up to him and says, how would you like to be a companion? And they had to reshoot the
0: ending. Mm. In this case, I think it was the opposite, which is they wrote the character to become yeah. a new companion, but the right. actress turned them down. She didn't want to uh, to go oh, on sure. and become a regular. So, uh, But yeah, I think it's an interesting, especially given... There's a little bit of a attraction between her oh, and Jamie. There's the <laughs> very definite, and <laughs> yeah. that
1: that would have been very interesting. It would have been our first. I mean, we kind of have a little bit of a romance between Ian and Barbara, and kind of a little bit of a romance between Ben and Polly. But it, no, nothing is explicit as what happens here because Jamie. And by the way, Fraser Hines was a Fraser Hines was a bit of a heartthrob. Yeah. at mm-hmm. the time in England but he flat out at one point kisses her
2: undercover
1: right it's for ta- <laughs> it's for tactical reasons but he nevertheless kisses her and then later she kisses him back yes and is clearly affection hoping to see him around in the future so we would have had an explicit romance with kissing and everything you yes. know wow. if
0: if she had stayed that would have changed things a lot <laughs> the- yeah, the, Fraser Hines is hard to argue. There's a definite Davy Jones vibe going on with Fraser Hines. Mm-hmm. I don't know, if you, like there's a very a lot, a lot similar you know, Davy Jones from the Monkees. Anyway, so Samantha's brother is one of these young people who supposedly went to Rome. The hotel he was booked into doesn't exist. Yet she has a postcard from him from Rome, and she's not going to give up until she finds him. The doctor, meanwhile, has shown up in the Cabanoss office, who refuses to listen. Even when his secretary tries to tell him about the policemen, and and chameleon tours, like she's got information, he just refuses to listen. So the uh, the the doctor then escapes being uh, arrested by threatening to blow them up and tossing a soft rubber ball at them as if it's a bomb. (laughs) (laughs) I have a bomb. I'm going to kill you. He throws it at him and runs out the door. Meanwhile, Ben is at the hangar and he finds a catatonic Polly in a packing case. Like she is. Uh, she's got her eyes open just sitting there but un completely unresponsive so that's really creepy and the doctor has returned to the abandoned chameleon kiosk uh, where he turns on a monitor and he sees Ben in the hangar getting immobilized by one of the aliens so so he knows Ben is now in trouble so this is there's a little bit more i think of Polly we might see her one more time but i think this is about where the, both of them we they they're gone at this point until yeah. episode six.
2: Yeah, they're, they're like, there's no duplicate of Ben at all. He's just, he's knocked out and he's gone.
1: Yeah. We also, by this point, have had a chance to watch the chameleons interacting among themselves a good bit as they're talking about their plans and what they're going to do to try to counter the doctor's efforts and so forth. And one of the things that struck me is they're remarkably calm and surprisingly non-sinister. Yeah. I mean they're they come across as calm. We don't have any shouting megalomaniacal, you know, <laughs> exterminate Daleks are the supreme life forms. Yeah. We don't have anything like that. They actually do think they're the supreme life forms. Later on we're gonna hear about how they're the most intelligent life forms in the universe and humans are only as intelligent as animals on their planet. Mm. But they don't say it in a way that is anything other than uh you know matter of fact. Matter of fact, yeah, yeah. and they—they they aren't cackling villains. They don't when even when they disagree with each other, they don't raise their voices. They—they're mm-hmm. very businesslike, and they don't come across as zombies or creepy or uh, part of the creepiness of them. Not in a, any classic sense. Part of the creepiness of them is how normal yeah. they seem,
2: as right. just as just people. They're—they're ke- the they're, they're kind of person you would describe as even keel. You know, even mm-hmm. when, you know, they're a little excited, it's even still very, you know, calm, you know.
0: Right. Even when later on Meadows is, you know, trying to escape from being discovered, it's still relatively calm. It's it's kind of interesting, the duplicate Meadows. Um, So the doctor is, uh, well, well first I want to say that uh, Jamie and Samantha the, at the chameleon booth, they see a, a I guess it's just she's a, a stewardess. They still call them stewardess, so I'm not mm-hmm. being politically correct. That's what she was. <laughs> telling a group of yep. young people about to get on a plane to pre-write your postcards that, and we'll mail them from Zurich for you so that you're... you're I love this idea that they're kind of like, just so your parents won't worry, but because you'll obviously forget because you'll be too busy partying, we'll mail the postcards for you just to uh, you know, allay your parents' fears. It's so like undermining parental and, authority and, sort of thing. And,
2: <laughs> well, and they're college students, so they're sitting there going, yeah, that makes absolute sense because as soon as we land, we're going to go get drunk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Although I have to point out a little flaw in the animation: the postcards. They did not create a new postcard from the one they had shown us earlier from Paris. It's the Paris postcard, and on it it says, "Paris is beautiful. Visiting the Eiffel Tower today." Like, you're going to Zurich. That if they if you mail this from Zurich, your parents are going to know something's <laughs> up. <tough. laughs> so anyway, they're, they're stopped by the uh, the detective Crossland because. He's the one, in, he and the other de- detective who's dead were investigating the disappearances like Samantha's brother. So that, that's what we found out. The doctor, meanwhile, a chameleon, looks in the packing case in chameleon's hangar and finds, not Polly, but now he finds Meadows, the air traffic control guy who's also catatonic. Then he hears a voice calling for help from the other room. I'm suffocating. So when the doctor goes into the office to investigate, he's locked in and gas starts getting pumped in. Uh, and it appears that the room is getting very cold. He acts like it's right. it's getting cold. Yeah.
1: He he puts, one of the first things he does is try to put his hand over the nozzle the gas is coming out of, and then he pulls it back like it's been hurt by cold or something. Frozen, yeah. Right. He also, by this point, has picked up, it turns out the chameleons have two weapons they use to immobilize people. Yes. One is the super taser that electrocutes you, but the other is a kind of, it looks kind of like a pen. Mm-hmm you know, like a writing pen, but it's, it's not. And it's a little rod, and it emits gas and stuns people and also, we'll learn later, freezes things. So right. I think it's Ugh. the same gas that yep. that they use on the doctor here. And he's got it in his pocket.
0: Mm-hmm. I was unsure whether it was gas or, like, rays. The animation wasn't clear on that, but I, that makes sense, the gas. So... The doctor manages to stop up the gas, the pipes pu- pumping gas in and covers the camera lens with his coat, which gets Spencer to come out of the secret room to find out, you know, was the doctor mobilized. Uh, and that's when the doctor manages to shoot him with his own immobilizer pen thingy and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and escape. I like the fact that they, they have the doctors about to run out and then he stops. Oh, wait, comes back, grabs his coat off of the camera that he used to <laughs> and goes. Like, I, just, I like that little detail. So that's when the doctor gets back to Chameleon's kiosk and connects with Doctor Cro- uh, Detective Crossland. So uh, we have our key investigative team now. Oh, there's a line here. When Blade finds Spencer unconscious, he says to him, the doctor's body, where is it? Because they were trying to, you know, kill the doctor. Uh, and Spencer says, he escaped. His intelligence is far above normal beings. And Blade says, above yours, perhaps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, nice burn. <laughs> So the uh, the doctor has told Jamie to, okay, stay and watch the, the, the kiosk, okay? But Samantha, after the doc leaves, convinces him to go check out the chameleon hangar with her. Bad, bad idea. Always do what the doctor asks, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I'll always slash never.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. yes, right. The, the, Except when
1: you shouldn't. I, mean,
2: that, I was going to say, by this time, the doctor should know, yeah, I'm going to ask the companion to do something and he won't. But he's yeah. still kind of naive because he's only in his second regeneration. So. He's
0: still young and naive. So uh, the doctor and Crossland go are going to talk to the commandant again because the doctor hasn't uh, smashed his head against that wall enough. Uh, So he's going to go back (laughs) at the air traffic uh, control tower. The commandant finally believes the doctor, uh, and well, he's
1: got the freezy gas pen now. Yes, clearly, clearly this is not normal 1966 technology.
0: Right, and that must be that must convince him of all of the, the things. Uh the, the doctor also knows that Meadows is is there in the tower. He tries to convince them that it's an alien plot to kidnap young people, and he uses the immobilizer pen on Meadows to prove it, and then uh Jamie and Samantha show up with more of the pre-filled out postcards that provide the evidence the doctor needed. Like, see, this is their their these postcards are already filled out. They're taking these young people. And based on Crossland's say so on his vouching for the doctor the commandant gives the doctor a free hand in the airport for 12 hours. Which is interesting that we he doesn't need the 12 hours. Like it really mm-hmm. the like it we in most stories like especially today we would go down to the last second. You've got yep. 5 minutes to find the the aliens sort of thing. We don't really get a whole lot of like ticking clock here.
1: Yeah, well after that the the ticking clock as soon as they set it up the ticking clock basically vanishes. Because yeah. after, at by this point, you know, Crossland, uh, not Crossland, the commandant yep. has, even though he's he's only letting him have a quote-unquote free hand to investigate and only for a 12-hour period, that basically goes out the window immediately because the evidence for something really bad happening mounts so fast at this yep. point right. that that the director, the commandant, without even the viewer necessarily noticing it, does a complete 180 and gets on the doctor's side and is actively helping the doctor mm-hmm. implement complex plans yeah. to deceive the chameleons and save everybody. And he's, he's on like, board. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. He's an active part of this. He's not just supportive, he's helping execute the doctor's deceptive plans to save everybody.
0: Right. right. It's kind of refreshing that we don't have him dragging his feet, though. I think we kind of mentioned that before, but it's not like he's, he's, we, we, Otherwise that would really slow down the story. Uh, this this yeah. otherwise this way it keeps it going. For a sick this being a
1: six-parter, it's remarkably not painful. Yes. No. There's yeah. it it's it's a little it has a uh, in in viewing it in my notes I have it has a relaxed pace. Right? Yes. But it's not unpleasantly slow. A lot of, you know, in a lot of the six-parters, to pad the running time, we have lots of running through corridors. Mm -hmm. And there is some running early on, like in episode one, but after that, it's, we don't have so much running. And they're they're not trying to pad it with action. And it does have a kind of relaxed pace, but it feels okay.
2: It doesn't feel like I was getting, I wasn't getting bored by it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of locations that they go to. You know, they're they're in the terminal, they're in the air traffic control tower, they're in the or air traffic control building. I don't know if it's a tower, mm-hmm. but yeah, in the, the the hangar, of course, in the planes later and yeah. in the space station. Right. You know, there's a lot of it, there's a lot of moving around. But yeah, it's not running. But it it makes sense in
1: what yes. they're doing. It's not action. It's kind of like in Evil of the Daleks, the story mm-hmm. yep. that follows this that preceded this for us because Wibbly Wobbly. they had three major locations in that they had 1966 they had the 1800s and they had Scaro. and so even though that was a six-parter the location changes and the logic of the location changes made it feel like we're not just randomly adding padding here right exactly
2: we've been kind of spoiled though by having so many four-parters that we've looked at recently that now we hit something that's a little bit longer and it does kind of stretch a bit
0: yeah, there are a couple places where like the police are searching, you know, and right. and so there's lots of of that, you know, of them searching in different places without much dialogue or action, but you're right. It's not frenetic, but it's but neither is it just like long boring stretches. It's it's well-paced. It is well-paced. Spencer and Meadows meanwhile plot to kill the doctor. Meadows is going to place a device on him, a little button thing that Spencer will activate remotely, and so that that will come come into play in a bit. Crossland meanwhile goes out to the chameleon airplane to investigate and is taken prisoner by Blade so he's on the plane mm-hmm. as it takes off and the, it turns out the he's taken to the flight deck the flight deck is obviously not a regular airplane cockpit <laughs> And they ta- they talk about using Crossland. Well, not for the a directive. 1966
1: one, although they do have like a bank vault type door they use to seal yeah. off the passenger compartment. So <laughs> well, oh, we have those now, post 9/11. Yeah, yeah, well,
0: that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also
2: twice the size of your average cockpit that you'll see even today. I mean, it's, right? It's, I, I think Captain Jeff and company would love to have cockpits that spacious.
0: All the gauges are in English, including on the alien spaceship. By the way, they have like yeah. the same voltage and the things like <laughs> and that. And they came
1: from Radio Shack, yeah. Yes, or yeah.
0: Magpie Electrical, uh, okay, which shows up. They do talk about uh, using Crossland uh, as the for the director, so the director is going to get a uh, body, uh, Crossland's face. Jamie and the Doctor finally break into the secret room in the in the Chameleon Hangar and find a cabinet, the, that cabinet that the the wrapped up faceless one was in for someone not used to Earth's atmosphere. And then they turn on a monitor that shows them the medical center. So now they know the next place they have to go. At this point, Spencer activates the the killing device that's on the doctor's back, but it doesn't kill him. And Jamie's able to take it off and destroy it. But the doctor is knocked out at it, this point. It, like, shocks him or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, faceless ones are really into, like, electricity as a weapon. <laughs> and then on the plane, Blade and the stewardess show Crossland a video monitor. Of the secret of chameleon tours, as we see all the passengers in their seats as the plane flies, and suddenly they've disappeared somewhere.
1: Yeah, and it, it's a misleading. It looks like they teleported, right? But right. but later you find out they were they weren't teleported. They were tissue compression eliminated and shrunk. Yeah. Were, yep.
0: <laughs> although not killed <laughs> in this case, the master case. Yeah, worse. The, and it's from something they ate, right? Uh, the part of the process involves yeah. eating something. Yes. The, the food, yeah, the food starts the
2: process, but then there's equipment in the plane that completes the miniaturization, as we find out from Jamie when he gets on the plane and gets sick before the food comes out. <laughs> Jamie
0: airsick. I, I
1: I love that. It makes perfect sense. He's he's never flown before, and so on an airplane, it, he's, he's flown to th- the TARDIS just well, not on an airplane. That's what I mean, <laughs> yeah. and so
0: he gets air sick. Yeah, the 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 stewardess is offering everyone something called a barley sugar uh, as a snack. This is apparently mm-hmm. what contains it. What is a barley sugar? Do any of you know what that is? It sounds like a barley pop without alcohol. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's it sounds kind of weird, like barley sugar.
1: Um, it's a candy. It's a okay. hard candy.
0: It's a boiled. Yeah, okay, a hard candy. Interesting. I'm, I'm now I'm curious to what that would taste like. O- old candies, whether they're American or British, uh, are, can sometimes have very interesting play, uh, tastes yep. to modern modern taste buds. Uh, but now I have to find some.
1: There's also another thing we don't want to confuse it with called a, a barley water, which is a drink. Yes. And yes. is also, it's non-alcoholic, but it's also right. barley-based. And yes. sometimes it is served with sugar, but it is not the same thing as a barley sugar.
0: Right, right. right. So on the plane, everyone's disappeared. And so that brings us to episode four of this. So at this point, the doctor is still immobilized on the floor, uh, having been knocked up by the device. And Spencer pulls a gun on Jamie. They struggle, uh, and Samantha and Jamie are now knocked out. So the doctor, Jamie, and Samantha are all uh, out, and they're set up. Spencer sets up an elaborate James Bond villain laser.
2: My <laughs> <laughs> immediate thought it was golden. And I, uh, not...
0: <laughs>
1: no, Mister Bond, I expect yeah. you to die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no this. <laughs> Because of course it's 1966. <laughs> what else is the villain going to do? Right. He's so going to set yeah. up a slow laser at a weird angle that won't actually kill more than one of them, and <laughs> and then leave.
2: Well, yes. and of course you got to have the little bit of debris, you know, leaves or whatever on the on the, the floor there in front of the laser. And as the laser goes along, I'll say, poof! it yes, bursts yes. into flames.
0: And <laughs> 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 I love it. So that it gives him just enough time to wake up and to get free in order to escape. So that's that's good. Good job, Spencer. <laughs> And the way they do it is nice. It
1: turns out the doctor has the idea. They all three participate. Yes. The doctor has the idea of how to escape. He asks uh, Sam if she's got a mirror in her purse. Yes. And she does. And then Jamie is able to take the mirror and deflect the laser light back onto the laser, thus causing it to, you know. Explode. Explode. Yes. And so nice, nice, nice execution with all three involved.
0: Right. Yeah. It's like they're paralyzed, but they're slowly coming out of it so they can barely move to 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 to, to do these things. So, yeah, uh, Spencer should have just shot them with the ray gun, <laughs> but then we wouldn't have the doctor. Uh, so in the meanwhile, in the medical center, Jenkins, the officious bureaucrat from immigration, is being duped and replaced. Because uh, that's what we need—is duplicates of officious <laughs> TSA bureaucrats, <laughs> which is essentially what he is. And they—they uh, they go to the, the doctor and Jamie go to the aid center where they pretend Jamie's sick. Uh, but they can't get past Nurse Ratchet, and Spencer's watching them on a monitor, and uh, he says that that doctor is a menace to our plans. And Jenkins says, "Then we must kill him." And I, I said to myself at this point, maybe someone company should try to kill the doctor <laughs> instead of Spencer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: in order to figure out what's going on, they need to get into the first aid station and they need to get past Nurse Ratchet. The question is, how are they going to do that? And the way they do it is by enlisting the help of the secretary of the commandant. Yes, The secretary's name is Jean Rock, and I wanted to comment on Jean Rock, the secretary, because she is awesome. Jean Rocks! (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. She is like awesome self-initiative self-determination action secretary because she is even though the commandant has been dragging his feet she's been doing little things all this time to show agency like making phone calls and asking questions and she on her own initiative without being told Mm -hmm. to and she comes in at this point and says that she has discovered she's been calling the airports that chameleon
2: tours flies to and she's discovered none of the flights ever arrive. Right. Yes. Well, I love the commandant's reaction. It's not, oh, whatever happened to these planes? It's, boy, that's kind of expensive, isn't it? Long distance
0: calls? (laughs) Long distance (laughs) calls.
2: (laughs) But she does
1: that. And now, so the doctor makes her an active part of the plan and Mm -hmm. says, look, can you fake being sick so that Nurse Ratched will come here and we can get into the first aid station? Yes. And so Gene faints. And you know, pretends to faint in order to get the nurse out of the first aid station so they can all get in and this is not the last great thing that Jean, oh, yeah. the action secretary, is going to do either, <laughs> so I just love her, she's awesome, yeah,
0: yep, and Samantha, meanwhile, has booked a ticket to Rome on the on a next chameleon flight, and jamie to to save her because Jamie you know he's classic he's uh, being gallant gallant yep. uh he kisses her this is where he does the where he kisses her to distract her so he can steal her ticket from her. Uh, I love that, you know, back in the day, how much more lax security was, you know, about things. There was no way today you could get on a flight with someone else's ticket. It's just not going to happen. But, you know, back then, you know, I've got a ticket, like I'm getting on the the train to London from here. I'm getting on on the plane. Now, the Commandant, I like this. The Commandant has arranged for an RAF fighter to tail the next chameleon flight. Because yep. mm-hmm. once, when when a plane leaves the air traffic control space, it's sort of on its own. It's not being, even today, they're not actively tracked, you know, like with radar. So they want to find out where, if they're not going to their destinations, where are these planes going? The, and this is when Jean uh, feigns her, her illness to go to the medical center. The doctor finds some of the devices, the ones that are strapped to the wrists. And he sneaks out before Jenkins can show up and shoot him. That That's wh- where the... Uh, the shooting so he's no more competent than spencer is at killing the doctor nobody's really hmm. that competent killing the doctor let's be honest no uh then uh, it's only happened 12 times <laughs> yes <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least, at least. Uh, a few more times than that samantha can't find her ticket that jimmy took so she goes back to the kiosk and she's taken prisoner by spencer and then jamie we see him on board the chameleon flight uh, which is taking off this is when he gets air sick well and there's this bit of dialogue between the doctor and the commandant that I like. The commandant is, well, this time they'll have the RAF on their tail. And the doctor's like, oh, how high can fighters go these days? Because the doctor's saying it's going into orbit, and the commandant is yep. having none of that. How high can the fighters go these days, commandant? Oh, 10 miles plus. The doctor, oh, how futile. <laughs> Which I just yeah. love that delivery. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's like he's saying, oh, how great that is. But he's like, oh, how futile that will be.
2: <laughs> well it's kind of funny too is, you know they say miles instead of feet. You know, we would say, well how how high can the fighter go? Oh about sixty thousand feet. Yes. I yes. Well, say ten miles. Like, <laughs> so you gotta do uh, math. How high is that really?
0: <laughs> so uh on the on the airplane, uh Jamie's air sickness saves him. He has to run for the bathroom as as they're in the air. And this time we see the the, the passengers don't disappear, we see them shrink out of view of the camera, which is interesting. I, mm-hmm. again, I would have loved to have seen the original of this, what that, what, how they accomplished that effect.
1: I'm pretty sure it would have been because there's no way they're going to shrink, you know, 15 people that are in, sh- right. in shot at the time. Yeah. It would have been a fade, and then there would maybe be a little doll in the seat or something,
2: or yeah, yeah, or would they? Could they? You've done something like the, whoever was the seatmate with Jamie is the only one they showed do it or something like that.
0: Right, 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 something like that.
2: That would have been a little easier.
0: So meanwhile, Blade on the flight deck sees the RAF fighter following them and shoots it with the the you know the, uh, a version of the electric ray gun, immobilizing the pilot, and that that uh, plane crashes. Well, electrocuting the pilot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Electrocuting. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that plane crashes, and then on the radar, the the chameleon plane appears to stand still, and so. That causes the commandant to say, well, when a plane looks like it's standing still on radar, it means it's plummeting to the Earth, like it's going straight down. Right. And the doctor says, or it could be going straight up. And that's what we yeah. see. This is that sh- the shot where we see it. The wings fold in like an F-14 Tomcat, you yep. know, the-, the swing wing. It folds in, and then it's going into the space, and we see it rendezvous with a giant conical spaceship. And it flies up inside it. So uh, that's where episode four ends. Episode five begins. With Jamie hiding on the plane, he's watching the aliens remove all the per- these faceless ones remove all the personal effects of the passengers. Uh, the steward the stewardess is carry- is like placing something in a box. We don't see it. It's the it's the shrunken passengers, right. and she carries it off the plane and to this other room and places it in a cabinet. Uh, and this is when Jamie shows up and follows her in. And once she's gone, he looks in the cabinet and he f- you see tiny people laid out in drawers and catatonic. And there's so many drawers, and we eventually find out that 50,000 young people have been disappeared in this manner. Which I'm sorry, but if 50,000 yeah. people have disappeared <laughs> all on one airline, somebody would have noticed. <laughs> From <laughs> well, London,
2: nonetheless, or from you know the UK, nonetheless.
0: Well, I don't think it's that.
2: I think it's from all their
1: European operations, well, yes, because yeah. they, they later talk about how we've been in contact with our other planes in these other countries.
0: Mm. Right. So yes. it's
1: 50,000, sure. but it's spread over Europe. But still, yeah. 50,000 people go missing in Europe, and it's going to get noticed. And admittedly, it is being noticed, but you'd think it would be at a more advanced stage than this.
0: Yeah, right? yes. Meanwhile, the commandant has all ordered a search. They know, they don't find the airliner. They find the crashed RAF plane.
1: Just like the Captain Mantel UFO incident from the 1950s. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right, which is a future episode of uh, the uh, Mysterious, the Demi- World. Mysterious sure. World. Yes, uh, that's on the list. The doctor at this point detains the Meadows replacement, the duplicate, and finds one of the alien devices strapped to his arm. And he tries to run, but then Gene, the action t- secretary, stops him with a chair. Yes. <laughs> it's like slams a, a chair
1: into him and knocks him over. Awesome, go, go Jane, go yeah. Gene.
0: <laughs> so uh, he gets interrogated and spills the beans. Like <laughs> pretty oh, quickly. And this
1: this is the dumbest. This is the dumbest villain <laughs> motivation ever. Now that we finally know what the faceless ones are doing on their planet where yes. they, the most intelligent life forms in the universe, who surprisingly do not notice a lot of the suspicious behavior happening around them. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that could actually thwart their plans. I mean they've zeroed in on the doctor as a threat, but everyone else is just an animal, so they're not worried about what they do no matter how
0: suspicious.
1: Yes. But on their home planet there was an explosion that wiped out their identities. And so they decided to invent the most complex form of plastic surgery <laughs> in the universe <laughs> that would let them steal other people's identities. And it ju- and, and
0: <laughs> instead of just doing plastic surgery on yourselves. <laughs> this is what I wrote. I wrote that. Have they never heard of plastic surgery? I mean, at least in Star Trek Voyager with the Vidians, they came up with a plausible idea of stealing, you know, healthy tech, you know, uh, tissues and organs and stuff. Yep. This is, yeah, this is like the dumbest motivation <laughs> you've traveled across the universe to steal people's faces. Like, uh, yeah, yeah maybe you should have just built a surgery clinic. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Or, or like you, like you could have just like copied the image and gone back, like without having to suck the memories out of somebody. Like, yeah. Anyway, it's yeah. pretty dumb. We do find out also that if the device is removed from the duplicate or the original, something bad happens to the alien. And we, we, as you mentioned before, they they get all wicked, witch of the west, and turn into a puddle. What a world! What a world! But the process can be reversed by the machine in the medical center. And Meadows says the nurse is holding their originals, so the the people they've duplicated over their heads. Like this is they're they're being coerced to go along with to continue to go along with the plan the aliens are because they don't know where their originals are. And so they, they they could potentially be liquefied if they don't uh, I, obey. I
1: didn't get a sense. I got a sense that only the nurse knows where it is. I didn't pick up on this is being used to coerce them necessarily.
0: To keep them in line. That's what I was thinking is yeah. how it came across. See, that's, that, um, that's kind of the, the feeling
2: I got too was the, uh, hmm. the idea of that they were kind of unwilling part. Some of them were unwilling participants in hmm. this scheme and that, that was their, uh, well, you, you, you want to be liquefied? Otherwise, do what we say.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. and, and, and the, But the nurse has her own socked away somewhere for where she's got control of it. So as he says, she was cunning. She's got her own original with her. So that that's going to be important. Yeah. So they get to the medical center. They detain the nurse. The doctor rescues Samantha, who was about to get duped. Oh, and,
1: and Samantha, and they then find the nurse's original that's yep. also in the medical center. And Sam seeing the two versions of the nurse says flipping heck, but she's in there. <laughs> yes. and, and I'm like, wow, you could say flipping heck on a 1960s children's program. <laughs>
0: Do you know what flipping heck means? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a euphemism.
2: <laughs> Admittedly, I, I, I had to laugh at that, that line because uh, there's a YouTuber uh, Techmoan, that I follow and he's got puppets that'll say flip a neck Mm, all the time
0: (laughs) so uh the doctor the so the duplicate nurse meanwhile is being detained but she gets the drop on the policeman holding her and kills him but when she comes into the x-ray room meadows the the duplicate meadows turns off the device on the original nurse pinto not really ratchet obviously nurse pinto (laughs) and the uh, the alien faceless one nurse turns to a puddle of goo so she doesn't actually say i'm melting but that would have been great
1: Oh, my beautiful wickedness.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, this is where the doctor finally learns what's happened to Jamie. She tells him that Jamie took her ticket, and so he must be on the alien ship. And that's when we switch to Jamie. The de- detective inspector comes into the room where Jamie is strapped to a chair. I like the fact that when the de- when the detective inspector, when Crossland says that the people have been miniaturized, Jamie doesn't recognize the word miniaturize. of course. Because mm-hmm. there was no such word in 18th century uh, Scotland, you know, well, the Scottish not,
1: not that you would apply to humans.
0: Right, no. right. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure some, maybe some academics or intellectuals would have had it, but not a. It, would, it wasn't a word in regular use anyway. And then it turns out that it's not the detective, it's the director. Crossland has already been uh, duped. And we we learned that the last plane is about to depart to pick up the remaining aliens on Earth. So the, the plan has been finished. Where they're about to leave with the 50,000 young people.
1: Yeah. And Crossland is now, even though he's being sort of friendly to Jamie, I mean, he's not being menacing because you don't need to be menacing if you're the smartest life form in the universe. Yes. Right. He's dropped the Scottish accent and the other human mannerisms, and it takes Jamie a minute to catch on to, this is not the same guy I met before.
0: Yes. Yes. So the doctor has to convince commandant, the commandant not to just arrest the remaining dupes, the remaining aliens, because he needs to sneak on board the last flight to rescue the 50,000 young people. Um, and so he's going to pre- pretend to be a dupe, a chameleon, and he gets the real Nurse Pinto to go along with him. And I got to say, Nurse Pinto, who's now shown up for the first time, she's another one of these heroic uh, female mm-hmm. characters in this episode because she, she's on board. Like, she's her life's on the line here. But she's on mm-hmm. board with helping out, which I give her well, credit for. Well, and
1: everybody cares about those 50,000 young people that need to be rescued. Yes. yeah. <laughs> also, there's a twist to how the doctor is going to pretend to be a dupe, is he's going to, he asks Meadows, do you ever change your face? Yes. And Meadows says, yes, sometimes chameleons are reprocessed. And so the cover story is the doctor is now going to impersonate the chameleon who is impersonating Meadows. The idea will be that the doctor got suspicious of Meadows, and so Meadows had to replace him.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. And so
1: now the chameleon who was Meadows is now the doctor, is the story, but it's really secretly sneaky, the doctor.
0: And and now that the commandant is finally fully on board with the whole alien thing, he's got his airport personnel searching everywhere for where the stashed originals, the ones on earth have been stashed uh, because the doctor needs to use that as his bargaining chip. That's, that's going to be important.
1: And we're going to see the commandant like in radio contact with the aliens lying to them to buy the doctor more time. So that's just, that's how on board he is. He's really active in this now.
0: Right. Uh, As the doctor and, and nurse Pinto arrive on the alien ship, Blade Captain Blade has figured out that the doctor and the nurse are imposters and uh Jamie has been duplicated and his double now Jamie yeah.
1: has received pronunciation accent <laughs> now too.
0: Right, yep. he no longer has a Scottish accent and tells the director now that he has Jamie's knowledge that the doctor is a traveler in time and space and has more knowledge so he needs to be captured. So he he needs to be yep. held for his knowledge. Blade says by the way, at this point, that their medical center says the doctor and the nurse are not faceless ones; they're both human, which is human. interesting. At this stage in Doctor Who's timeline, we're still going with the doctor is mostly human, I guess, which is interesting. He hasn't grown his second heart yet.
2: Well, <laughs> yes. I mean, he, he's he's half human on his mom's side.
0: That's right, That's right. <laughs> uh, or or not even Gallifreyan. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So at uh, he's the timeless child at Gatwick they're still racing to find the originals Uh, like you said the
1: second Doctor especially is a timeless child (laughs) he is yeah (laughs) Uh,
0: the commandant has diverted all aircraft incoming aircraft are diverted we've shut down the airport he makes a public address all employees are assisting the search the the, in fact by the way when the Jamie doesn't have his accent the Doctor doesn't think much of the Jamie duplicate because of his lost Scottish accent he actually (laughs) calls that out I do like that part.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't care about the duplicate Jamie either because it's not the real Jamie. Exactly. He's just yep. that man over there.
0: He starts to sow dissent among the faceless ones between the director and the others by pointing that out that Crossland, the real Crossland, is on board, so the director is safe, but all the other dupes have the originals still on Earth, which makes them vulnerable. Uh, mm-hmm. And he starts to bluff that the originals have been found, they're going to be deprocessed one by one, and you're first, he tells Blade. Yeah. You're, right. you're going to be the first to die. The, this is where the Commandant contacts Chameleon, who demands to know where the originals were hidden so they can prove that they found them, uh, but they can't say. But it's Samantha who figures out that the originals are in rented cars on the on <laughs> this car is lot. The
1: dumbest, dumbest place to store
0: people. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's right? like, really? You think you're
1: going to have. Uh, a bunch of like there's we're told there's what 25 people in the airport who have been replaced Mm -hmm. you're going to have 25 people sitting permanently (laughs) in in part cars catatonically and nobody is going to notice that this is your perfect where they will never be found hiding place
0: (laughs) (laughs) really not not even in the trunk of the car they're sitting in the seats like with the seat like at the driver's seat or no they're even in the back seat i think somewhere they're they're yeah. waiting
2: for their chauffeur to show up and drive them home i mean
0: <laughs> yeah it's just yeah it's a terrible idea these are the smartest people in the universe
2: well you now let's go back to they did say that eventually they don't need the duplicates they don't need the originals right
0: right they did say that but yeah, we don't know absolutely.
2: how long that takes we don't know how long the connection is we don't know any of that so i don't know i guess the the assumption is, by the time people actually found these the originals, it, they're already going to be dead, so it's not going to matter. I
1: well, it, apparently, it takes long enough longer than it takes to steal sixty or uh, fifty thousand young people, right? Yeah. Right. Going for vacation, but Meadows comes out here, and and the police do, and Sam and Jean, yes, save yep. the day. So Sam and Jean for the win.
0: Yes, they they attack Meadows attacks Samantha. He's escaped, and so he attacks Samantha. Mm-hmm. And it's Gene yeah, and they they save the they save the day. Now the doctor's about to be processed, he's about to be duped, but uh he destroys the transfer unit and they uh he shorts before, it out. He shorts it out, so they have to send for a new one. He's like, Oh, I'm sorry, was that uh, something important? He yeah, he basically <laughs>
2: just sticks a paper clip in what looks like a headphone jack or something like that and shorts <laughs> it out.
0: Yes. So Gatwick is calling, but at this point the director refuses to listen to to them anymore because he doesn't think they have the originals. So the Commandant has to demonstrate that they have the originals by detaching the original Jenkins from the device, and that turns duplicate Jenkins into a puddle. And that really ups the ante on board the spaceship. Yeah.
1: Blade turns on the director at this point, because he realizes, I really am Knack.
0: <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> so he he uses his pulls his ray gun out, takes charge, contacts Gatwick. The, the Commandant, meanwhile, demands to talk to the doctor or he'll kill the blade dupe. I mean, the, so the commandant's really like he's on. He's like again, really on board now. The director, meanwhile, tries to say that the miniaturization can't be reversed. But Blade comes out says he's lying. We can do it. Yeah. And the doctor offers to let the alien dupes live, but they have to return to the original state. They can't keep their their mm-hmm. people. They're the originals. Blade ends up shooting the 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 duplicate director and Jamie. The duplicate Jamie. The duplicate Jamie. That's right. Sorry. Uh, and agrees to the doctor's terms. They then find Jamie and Crossland in a cabinet, uh, just s- sitting in there.
1: I like how uh, how the doctor tells the real Jamie about Blade. He's a friend now.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. Then they have to take all these fifty thousand young people. They're going to have to. De- I I assume they're deminaturized on board the alien ship.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, they said the plane was part of the the
0: process. Yeah, right. So it's going to take a long time to move fifty thousand people through these planes back to Earth. Like it's going to be days to do to do this. I was thinking to myself, just like because a plane can't carry that many people. So and then the doctor does offer to help the aliens figure out a solution to their original problem of facelessness, which I presume means teach them about plastic surgery. (laughs) And then back on Earth, I'm sorry, back on Earth. Oh no, I want
1: to hear about what's happening on Earth. Uh, Yes, on (laughs) Earth,
0: Mork is now talking to the big head. (laughs) Sorry, that's a nice flashback about forty years. Uh, That's to two different things, both Mork and
1: Mindy and Quark, which
0: was uh, yes, (laughs) uh, third rock rock from the sun. Third rock from the sun
1: had the big had the big giant head that we didn't see except in the form of William Shatner. But in Quark, (laughs) there was a big giant head. In, that we it, got to see.
0: Yeah, uh yep. yeah, the the I forgot the one in, in Third Rock. Yes, but I, yeah, the uh the, the, the big giant head from Mork Morgan Mindy. Uh, if you haven't seen the kids go, that's another old show you should watch. Uh we're not doing a secret to Morgan Mindy. <laughs> so oh <it's>, Shazbot. <laughs> Shazbot <laughs> <laughs> the, the, So back at Earth, a commandant orders the TARDIS return to the doctor. Jamie says goodbye to Samantha. Uh, and Ben and Polly. Samantha, Samantha kisses Jamie. Yes. She's like, if you're ever back around town, you know, look me up. And then Ben and Polly are back. And they, at this point, realize they're back in London. And it's literally the day they left with the first doctor. Yep. And they want to stay. They're they're kind of done traveling, which is it's the doctor's reaction is interesting. Later on, the doctors w- will become sort of like, oh, fine, you want to leave me? You know, they'll all leave. This one, the doctor's like, "Oh, that's sad, but okay, I understand. You know, if if you're if you're done, mm-hmm. and it's kind of sad that they're going, but it's not like, oh, I'm mad that you're going.
1: Yeah, it's not so much that they are sick of traveling. They're ha- they're perfectly happy to go on until they realize, oh, this is the day we left. Right. We have right. the opportunity to pick up our lives right where we right where we left off. Without problematic explanations of where have you been for the last six years yes, or having to stay in hiding for six years until you catch up with your own, you know, vanishing point. And so this is like the ideal opportunity. And given how shaky the TARDIS's navigation is at this point in the show's history, you want to take this opportunity when it comes around.
0: (laughs) Right. The train is pulled into the right station at the right time. (laughs) This is the time to get out. Exactly. (laughs) So they say goodbye, and it ends with the doctor and Jamie going to look for the TARDIS that has been returned to them. Like at the, and this is where the the beginning of the evil of the Daleks is, where they're now chasing after the Leatherman whatever truck truck that's that's carrying the the TARDIS away. So oh,
1: sorry, Lori.
0: Lori. Yeah, sorry, yes, Lori, Lori yes. Uh, that's that's carrying the TARDIS off. So that's where this ends. And it goes right into the beginning of the evil of the Daleks. So. Uh, and that's where we are.
1: Yeah, and this is uh, this is a much better Doctor Who episode set in a in a in an airport than <laughs> than we'll see for a long time
2: because n- <laughs> Do, we've got the ever? horrors.
1: We've got the horrors of time flight
2: coming up. Yeah, oh. I was gonna say. Are, have. Are there any other airport based? Doctor Who episodes that are actually worth watching.
0: Well, are there other airport-based ones besides Time Flight? The, like, time well, flight.
1: They, they visit airports, but I, th- as far as I remember, I could be wrong, but as far as I remember, the faceless ones in Time Flight are the only ones actually set in an airport. Yep. Oh, okay. And, and Time co- Flight is really going to be hard.
0: <laughs> <And> coincidentally, <laughs> we, we, they are going to appear in proximity in our watching uh, of it, so that's interesting.
1: I've mentioned periodically uh, Sycorax Rocks. Yep. the guy who yep. who makes videos about the doctors and in his 13 songs for 13 doctors uh video about the fifth doctor peter davison he's doing total eclipse of the celery heart <laughs> 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 and when he and he's kind of walking through the fifth doctor's timeline and when he gets to the, when he gets to the right slot for time flight, you just hear these background voices say, "OMG, time flight!"
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Father Corey, any any last notes on this episode?
2: No, other than I, this was an enjoyable one. This is one I'm yeah. glad they the restored because it was it was a lot of fun.
1: Yep, Jimmy. Nope, that's uh, that's about it. Although I would note that uh, one difference between this and time flight is this is Gatwick and that's Heathrow. Mm-hmm. Yep, so right. maybe that's part of the problem.
0: <laughs> it's gotta be <laughs> gotta be Gatwick to be good. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Aiden H. Christopher D. Kip C, Stephen C, and Mark B. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest, you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. What did you think of The Faceless Ones? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time and we'll be discussing the first part of the season-ending 11th Doctor two-parter, The Pandorica Opens. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on Starquest, and remember...